start a slow clap to get people's attention. It's really nice. That's how we started off. Huh? Um, so you heard me mention this during our announcement, but we're going to do something new tonight that I'm, I've really been looking forward to. We've done panel discussions in the past where we've had different people up here conversing on topics. Um, and tonight we're going to do something entirely new. We're calling it our one thing, community conversation. And so the question that I'm going to have different members of our Connection Ministry team, one senior and then one grad student answer is this. What's one thing you wish you'd have known about how to live out your faith in Christ and blank when you were in college or maybe when you were younger in college or an undergrad? And so we have people who are going to share on some really meaningful topics, things that I think you guys will find interesting. And I really uh, hope and pray that they'll be things that are helpful to you in your own walk of faith as you consider what it looks like for you to live as a follower of Christ uh, right now in this period of your life. And so since I'm in charge, I get to go first. And what I want to share with you guys is one thing that I wish I would have known about how to live out my faith in Christ when I was in college. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, and so the thing that I want to share, and just to give you kind of a heads up on how this is going to work, each of us are only going to speak for three or four minutes, and so this isn't going to be like an hour and a half sermon. It'll just be our regular length, so uh, stay tuned, tune in. Um, what I want to share is this. I wish I would have known in college about how to live out my faith in Christ that self-righteousness is a double-edged sword. No matter which side of it you're on, you are going to get cut. Uh, and what I mean by that is this. I went to a Christian college, and while there were a lot of things that were really great about my school, it was also a really difficult place for me to live out my faith in some ways because it was a very religious culture, uh, one that lended itself to becoming a breeding ground of sorts for competitive spirituality. Um, if any of you have transferred here from a Christian college or been a part of a Christian fellowship group, sometimes that can seep its way in. Um, the culture lended itself to becoming a breeding ground for competitive spirituality. You could attend, seriously, you could attend a different worship service or Bible study seven nights of the week, and some people actually did. And it kind of felt like people were looking at each other, keeping track of uh, who went to what, who was really serious about their faith, who was truly genuine, or really mature, or a real servant. And... Funny enough, I actually attended a Bible study for a year where the leaders ended up deciding to take attendance, uh, and they would send out the records of who attended over email afterwards, not because it was for class credit or anything, but just because they wanted us all to know who was really taking it seriously. Um, and so, now when I was in college, I knew that I didn't have my, my faith perfectly figured out. But I was sure as heck certain the way many of my peers were living their faith wasn't right either. Um, I knew they were way off the mark, and so I developed this attitude uh, towards my school and towards many of my peers that was really cynical and very critical of their performance-driven approach to faith. And so rather than extending grace to them, I became very prideful. And so what I'm trying to say in short is that I was incredibly self-righteous about not being self-righteous. Um, funny how that works out. <laughs> And so I was absolutely blind to my spiritual arrogance, and my spiritual arrogance kept me from resting in God's grace because I always felt like my relationship with him had something to do with my perspective, something that I was getting right in my own individual approach to faith. And so my nearsightedness kept me from extending grace to these brothers and sisters of mine who were struggling in a different way. But they were also loved by God solely because of his grace, and they needed to know it. 
And I have to admit, I, I really missed out on some valuable friendships because of my blindness to my own self-righteousness and my quickness to judge others for their self-righteousness. And becoming aware of this pride, God was faithful in doing that, but it was incredibly painful. Um, God humbled me, which always hurts, as you all probably well know. Um, but I'm thankful that he did that. He made me aware of my need for his grace. And I'm also thankful that that happened before I graduated so I could restore some relationships that could have been really a positive thing for me earlier in my college career. And so I have to be honest, I still catch myself slipping back into those self-righteous tendencies. But thankfully this gap uh, between my blatant sin and error and inability to see my error and then the time when I repent of it and turn back to Christ in faith is narrowing by the grace of God at work in my life and the power of his Holy Spirit. That gap is narrowing. But uh, I do have to say, the one thing that I wish I knew how to about, I wish I knew how to live out my faith in Christ in college is that self-righteousness is a double-edged sword. No matter which side of it on, you're on, you're going to get hurt. But uh, thankfully, if we repent and we turn back to Christ in faith, his grace is big enough to cover us on both sides. And so that's the one thing I wish I knew about how to live out my faith in Christ in college. Next up... Kelsey Spells, Thompson. Yes, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that round of applause. And I, I'm very sure that our other conversation members would appreciate applause as well, because you're awesome. Um, Kelsey, who are you? Hi. Um, I'm Kelsey, and I'm a senior in the School of Public Health studying Human Development and Family Studies with a minor in Human Sexuality. And um, I'm also part of crew. And fun fact about me is that Quinn, the band leader, is my boyfriend, not his girlfriend. <laughs> uh, we've been dating for almost four years, so I don't know. It's good to know. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, so I'm going to be talking about what I wish I knew about identity, um, like personal identity, when it comes to sharing my faith. Um, so quickly, I just want to, like, I'm defining identity as something that gives someone or something meaning. So, like, for example, if I pointed to an object on the street and I called it a bus, you would know that that means it's a vehicle that, um, like, provides transportation for people. But if I were to point to that object and call it a dog, it gives it a completely different purpose and meaning. So over the past few years, I've been learning about the difference between man-made identity and God-given. And that's one thing I wish I had known about sooner in my college career. Um, I've been learning that the components which often make up our man-made identities are not permanent, eternal, or even that reliable, really. For example, in high school, I was involved in a lot of different things, and I was um, had a leadership position in everything that I did. And it, I found a lot of my identity in those things. So when I came to college as a freshman, I felt really lost and not that important or special because um, I wasn't involved in anything anymore and um, yeah, I didn't have those things to identify myself with or to introduce myself as. Um, and so because I placed my identity in something that wasn't permanent, I didn't know who I was when that aspect of my identity was gone. I was just Kelsey. Our man-made um, identities are made with a lot of performance-based characteristics also. 
These can include things like talents, academic success, outer appearance, personality, the success of relationships. And these are not inherently bad things. But I've come to find out that when we're basing our identity solely on the good things that we do, our identity will take a huge hit whenever we aren't performing up to par. A more current example of that for my college life is that I can be a hardcore people pleaser. Um, I, I kind of go to unhealthy lengths to make sure that everyone's happy and I make unreasonable sacrifices, and it's not always reciprocated. Um, and that leaves me feeling bitter and um, really prideful in thinking that I'm the best friend, um, and I'm better at being a friend than everyone else, which is so not true. Um, and God's been doing a lot of work in my life to like, break down that pride and um, yeah, just those patterns of self um, people pleasing. Um, but still, on occasion, I'll choose that identity of the best friend. Um, so by knowing this information about my life, you can assume that <coughs> what happens when I do make a mistake in my relationships is that I completely lose it. And I'm super hard on myself, and I grasp a new identity as Kelsey, the terrible friend. Um, so maybe you find your identity in academic success, and um, you know you always get A's, but then you get a D on an exam, and you just completely lose it, and you don't know who you are anymore, or um, your outer appearance, but then like, what happens when you, uh, you gain a few pounds, or you get one of those Rudolph pimples? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but just like God doesn't look at us and call us by the names of our sins, He doesn't call us by the names of our successes either. I don't think God's ever looked at me and called me the dancer or the best friend. Uh, I don't think he's ever looked at Quinn and called him the musician or um, Olivia, like the runner. Um, he has better names for us. And, and knowing that can take so much pressure off of us in our search for personal identity and meaning. Um, so God identifies me as a daughter even when I'm rejecting his fatherly love or discipline. I'm still his child. And he calls us loved even when we're super unlovable. And he says that we have a purpose, even if we can't see it or when we refuse to be a part of his plan. His word is full of declarations of who God says we are. And this is where I think the difference between man-made identity and God-given identity is really cool. Um, you might have noticed that the man-made examples that I gave are all conditional. They're only a part of our identities as long as we're making the ends meet, which is really exhausting. <coughs> But what God says about our identities is true and unchanging and eternal, and it's not dependent on us or our circumstances in this world. So, um, just in conclusion, a question that I have to ask myself kind of on a daily basis, and that I would maybe challenge you guys to ask, is where do you want to find your identity? Do you want to find it in something that can only be sustained by your human efforts or in the Word of God? Um, the creator of the universe, who also like, knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you so well. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad I was able to share this, and if you want to talk more about it, I'd be really open to that. And also, I learned a lot about personal identity and the condition of my heart and the meaning of life from the book Ecclesiastes, so I really challenge you to read that if this is something that's like interesting to you. Sweet. Thanks so much. Next up, I want to invite up my friend Mark, who's going to share with us on vocational calling and career. But first, who is Mark Svensson? Who is Mark Svensson? That's a good question. Um, so my name is Mark Svensson. I am a native Hoosier. Um, 
I'm from Indianapolis. I went to Lawrence North High School, and then I did my undergrad, my master's, and my PhD at IUPUI in Purdue uh, in mechanical and biomedical engineering. So I was there a really long time. Um, so after that, um, I worked for a startup company for three and a half years. Um, so it was a company that had less than 10 employees. And then this past summer, I moved here to Bloomington. I work for Cook Medical, and it's a company that has over 11,000 employees. So I've seen the very small company, and I've seen a really large company. A uh, really fun thing about me is I'm not completely a nerd. I do like other things other than math. So I love sports, um, anything athletic, I like to do that. So um, I actually have several things, and I will keep it in, within four minutes. But it's hard to say one thing that I wish I would have known about vocation. The first one that Kelsey was saying is identity. So going on uh, what Kelsey was saying about identity, identity by definition is who you are. And so finding your identity in your vocation is pointless. It, it's by finding about what you do, um, it, it's not who you are. Um, it is part of, it comes out of your identity of who you are, but it's not essentially who you are as a person. And I think I struggle with that at times and have in the past of trying to find my identity in my work, in what I did, achieving, uh, you know, getting a promotion, making my bosses happy, things like that. that. That's a futile thing to do because, again, by definition, your identity is who you are, it's not what you do. And I think that would have been a really important thing for me to understand early on, is understanding that I'm loved no matter my performance and how, uh, how I perform, uh, if I have a bad day at work or not, that my identity is in Christ. So I encourage you really, like Kelsey was saying, just really firmly root your identity in Christ, and that will help you no matter what, especially in your vocation. The second thing I wish I would have known was that God uses work, I think, to really shape us and mold us into his image, and also um, shapes us and molds us to be a witness for him. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of times where our generation is going to have a lot of jobs. You're going to go to a lot of different places. But if every time you, you come up against some struggle and some difficulty, which happens all the time at work, um, it'd be really easy to just switch jobs. And I'm, I'm sick of my, you know, my coworkers or my bosses a jerk or, you know, whatever. Um, if you did that, you'd be switching jobs probably every month and uh, <laughs> you'd have a very long resume. But I think God uses those opportunities and those people that you encounter in your work just to mold and shape your character. We spend a lot, we're going to spend a lot of time, you guys are going to spend a lot of time at your work, and you think, why does God want me to work so much? I think part of it is he wants to shape your character. Learn, learn how to love your coworkers. Learn how to be patient. The other thing is God wants you to be a light and a shining light to where you work. I guarantee you, if they, they find out that you go to church or you're not cursing when everyone else is cursing at work or something like that, they will take notice. I guarantee you that. And you will be a witness to them. You might have opportunities to, to directly share um, you know, your faith with them. But even if you don't, I guarantee you they will watch you and, and they will look to you to see how do you react to the certain situation. So God is uniquely placing you uh, in that job. The fourth thing is just, or the third thing is just find a, a job and, and a vocation that has balance. Um, when I worked at a small startup, it was uh, sometimes all consuming uh, my job, and I enjoyed that, but again, I was really falling into the trap of finding my identity 
um, at that job. And so find a job where you have balance to serve the Lord outside of your job. And then the fourth thing is just don't worry. God has a plan for your life. Um, and part of that plan is your vocation. And he's uniquely gifted you uh, to do something special that, that um, you know, no one else can do. Now, there's lots of engineers that can do what I do, but he uniquely you know, placed me in that position. He's going to uniquely place you in that. And just trust. You might have a plan. I knew I was going to be an engineer. That's how I was wired, but I didn't expect to be where I am now. Just trust God and um, you know, do that. So just trusting God for your identity, that he's going to use your job to shape and mold you and use you um, to find a job where you can have balance in your life and just to not worry and trust God in all things. So. Thanks so much. <laughs> Next up, I want to invite Catherine Schlemm. Catherine's one of our grad students who leads the Girl C Group. And uh, Catherine, why don't you give us a quick intro? Hi, I'm Catherine Schlemm, and I, um, well, I guess you just said that. And then I'm a graduate student. You took out half my I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> okay, so I am here studying speech and hearing sciences, getting um, my master's in speech language pathology. And I am engaged to a wonderful person who is currently in China right now, so I'm kind of missing him. But um, yeah, just a little bit of my background. Um, okay, so. Catherine, what is one thing you wish you would have known when you were an undergrad about your faith in Christ and dating <laughs> slash relationships? <laughs> okay, so I am talking on this topic because when I began college, my dating life was less than pleasing to God. Um, first of all, it just was not bringing me closer to God, and that is the most important thing in a relationship. Um, so it wasn't doing that. It wasn't bringing me joy. I wasn't finding self-worth um, in that. But I had begun this relationship during a rebellious period in my life, and I wanted to show everyone that I had a plan and I could figure this out, and I had everything under control, um, but of course I didn't, and one weekend I was home from college, and I was at church, and my pastor, who is also a very good friend of mine, posed the question to the congregation, what's the one thing you aren't giving to God? And it was one of those messages that I was sitting there like, oh man, please me, no. And I knew what it was, but I just decided to leave it in the back of my mind where it felt more comfortable and I didn't have to face it. Um, I just wasn't willing to surrender that I actually didn't have it all under control. But through lots of time and lots of hurt and tough lessons learned, of course God was faithful um, and he showed me the truth that uh, I was making a big mistake by thinking that I had the plan that really he had the plan for my life. Um, so once I, I was taught that lesson and surrendered that to God, he gave me great grace and forgave me and allowed me to ask him and to be the head of my life in every aspect, including my dating life. Um, so things got better and I took a long time of not dating to focus on my relationship with God. And um, again, I was home visiting, and my pastor presented 
this visual. So God here at the top, and then woman and man. So together as God created us in community. But the interesting thing is that um, when you focus on growing closer to each other, you just don't get any closer to God. And when you do focus on getting closer to God, you, of course, then grow closer to each other. So I remember, I will never forget that message. And I remember being so grateful and um, just praying to God and thanking Him that I got that message when I did and that it wasn't too late for me and that I really had this fresh start and it was just God's perfect timing in my life. Um, so this really became my relationship standard. And, you know, I spent that kind of hiatus from dating much at all, but um, the little bit of dating I did here and there, that image just never left my mind. And as soon as I saw that that balance wasn't going to take place with someone, I knew when to call it quits because I knew what I was looking for, and I knew that God had to be first. So, to wrap up, um, then I met someone who, on our first date, was bold enough to pray before our meal, and was bold enough to tell me that he had been praying for me and for an opportunity to meet me, um, and this was without knowing my own background and my relationship with Christ, so that was pretty amazing, and um, through dating him, we just stayed very clear about our intentions and been on the same page that, number one, we're living out God's plan and we're not living out our plan. Um, and number two, that God will always be the head of our relationship no matter what. And that's the only way that we can grow closer to each other. So now, like I said, I'm um, engaged to marry Mac next summer. And I've just really never felt more joy and peace in my life. So those are the I guess two, like Mark, I went over my limit, sorry guys. Um, the two things that I wish I would have known is that God has the plan and God is in control and that your relationship with him always has to be first. Thanks so much. Her fiance is the man too. It's pretty cool. Matt. Uh, we have two more people to share. Next up, I want to invite my good buddy Nathan, the king of Lake Lemon. Big boater. <laughs> so Nathan Gentry, who are you? Um, I'm a physical therapist in town. Uh, that's what I do. Um, I married a townie, moved down here two years ago. Where is she? Where is she? She's in the back with me. That's my wife. We both met at, at Duval, uh, so she, she left town for a little while. And she got a job here, and then I moved down here a couple years after because I was finishing my doctoral degree up in Indianapolis. Um, and so the thing I want to talk to you guys about is, you know, the one thing I wish I would have known in college is that the college dream, for me at least, was kind of a myth. Um, I came to college really thinking, this is going to be great, everybody says it's the best four years of your life. You know, I visited my older brother the year before, and, you know, they looked great. Everybody was having a great time, and when I got there, it was a bunch of people I didn't know. Um, I expected, you know, I'm supposed to make your best friend right away, and I didn't, and I got really lonely, and, you know, I kind of liked the classes I was taking, but I really wasn't enjoying that, and then I thought, well, I'll just transfer, you know, I don't like this school, so I'll just, I'll go to another one, it'll be better there, I, I guarantee it, you know, and I started playing a sport there, and then I was like, wow, this isn't a whole lot better, and I still don't, you know, I'm still really unhappy here, I still don't feel like I'm 
you know, making friends, and the word that kept reappearing to me was happy. And I was chasing this myth that, you know, I'm supposed to, you know, go play frisbee on the lawn every day, and then, you know, go out with my best buddies, and have dinner every night, and then study for like 20 minutes, and then hang out the rest of the night playing video games. That just wasn't happening, and then I wasted this year and a half, two years of just trying to chase this happiness that just wasn't coalescing to me the way I thought, and then I finally realized that I could chase and chase and chase and it was never going to come. I had to just kind of step back and realize I was in a place for a reason, um, and what that reason was, I did not, I didn't know, and I didn't have it all together, um, and it took me a while to realize that it's okay to not have it all together, particularly in those four years, I think I still don't have it all together. I think all the older adults in the room would, would agree that it takes a while to get it together, even though that's a pretty fleeting moment if you ever get there. Um, and I was just unwilling to, to reach out and, and ask for that help and to try and find other ways outside of myself to, to find that happiness. And um, I really wasted a lot of time just chasing and chasing, and it took me a long time to realize you know, that God had me in place for a reason. And you know, that reason was you know, I needed to find happiness outside <coughs> the college dream, which just wasn't there for me. So that's the one thing I wish I would have known, that you know, despite what everybody tells you, that you know, everybody's happy and everybody's having a great time, you know, it's not always the way it seems. Sometimes people are just faking it until they make it. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's a cool story of God. <laughs> Last up, I want to invite my wife, Brittany. I see you, girl. <laughs> Josiah and I moved to Tennessee about eight months after we got married, and we had 
very little money whenever we moved there. Um, really, yeah, it was bad. She's we, not kidding. We, we lived responsibly. We were doing the best we could. We worked multiple jobs, but we just had no money. At every time, for example, every time we would go get gas, we'd have to check our bank account first because we didn't know could we fill our car up the whole way? Could we just put $10 in that day? Could we maybe put 20 or 5 um, So things like that. I worried about um, could we drive back to see our family for Thanksgiving? Could we pay for that gas money? Could we buy anyone Christmas presents? Um, we would write checks for utility bills and the checks would bounce depending on what time of the month we wrote them. So it was just constant worry for me of what our future is going to look like financially. And it took probably about six months of living in Tennessee and seeing God just constantly provide for us. All our needs were met the whole time we were there. He always provided for our needs. And so after about six months, I finally realized that God was caring for me. He cared about my future and he would provide. And when I realized that, nothing changed. Um, it's not like all of a sudden we made all kinds of money and life was great and we had no worries. It was still really hard. We still had to be very careful and still had to um, yeah, just be very responsible. But instead of worrying about it, I could just really be at peace knowing that God was taking care of us. So that was one aspect of faith in my future. And another aspect was regarding my future dreams and goals. I knew before I graduated that I didn't want to be a teacher, which is unfortunate when you're majors education. But um, soon after that, I realized or decided that I wanted to be a physician assistant. I felt like that was a really good fit for my interests, and I felt that would be a good way for God to use me. But the road to get there just seemed so, so difficult and so long that I was often just really frustrated and kind of fearful that it would never happen. I had lots of nights talking to Josiah just in tears that I had this dream that I felt like God really put on my heart, but I just didn't see how I was going to get there. It was like the dream was on the other side of the canyon and there was no way to get around to it. So that was something that I really struggled with, just being fearful of always having this dream and never being able to realize it. And I'm still not there. I'm still a student. Um, I'm not a physician assistant yet. But the process, um, though it's been a long process, has just really shown me to trust God's timing and be patient in His plan for me because His plan for my future is so much better than my own. His timing is perfect and, and mine is not. So that's something I still struggle with. I still worry about so many things, um, passing exams, timing with having kids. Like there's so many things that I worry about, but those experiences have really reminded me of God's faithfulness. And I know that those examples are things from like past college, but I wish that I had known those things in college so that instead of spending so much time worrying and feeling anxious about things, I could have rested in, in Christ's plan for me and, and his love for me. So I would share that with you. Thank you. Give it up for Brittany. Thank you. Man, why don't you guys come forward? Uh, we're going to close in a song. And as we sing this, uh, we kind of picked this song because I, I knew a lot of things would come up in tonight's content that will just make you think about your life and uh, trusting God with those things that are out of our control because there sure are a lot of things. But uh, one constant uh, that I heard in each person's story was that God has been faithful. Um, there may be times where you feel like what you're going through is outside of his control, 
Maybe it's bigger than you can handle on your own. But the good news is this, that God loves you in Christ. He's made a way for you through faith in Him. He's over your life. He's over your circumstances. It's all in His hands. He's fully in control. He's good and He loves you. And so, uh, would you stand now and sing this with us? Uh, you never let go.